We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, you know, it's kind of cool that the Cowboys have had a couple iterations of, you know, all-time dominant, all-time great, you know, offensive lines. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like in their DNA almost. It's October 2016, Cowboys at Packers. This is Remember That Game, a podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Semerick, and my guest is Brandon Thorne, offensive line and defensive line analyst for Establish the Run, Bleacher Report, OL Masterminds, and proprietor of Trench Warfare, the newsletter and podcast. I think it starts with the big three of Teron Smith, Zach Martin, and Travis Frederick. Uh, you know, having three guys who were probably the best at their position on the same line at the same time for several seasons is something that is pretty unprecedented. And, um, you know, that's really kind of what drove everything. And then, you know, the other two positions were filled by underrated guys who were, you know, pretty good themselves. So, yeah, it was it was just a, a very well-rounded unit that had you know as more star power than than really any we've seen since, and you know maybe that we'll ever see again. Yeah, and I know you wrote uh, prior to the 2016 season uh, a piece about how underrated Doug Free was, the longtime mm-hmm. veteran there, spent through many stages of Cowboys football in the 21st century. And uh, how crucial was it that, yeah, you have Tyron Smith on one side, but on the other side, you have someone that doesn't leak? Yeah, um, I mean, Free was, you know, probably the, you know, there's a just an interesting dichotomy there with him being the weakest link, you know, because Ronald Leary was, was, you know, a better player at left guard. But, um, you know, not just the weakest link, but also a guy who was very, underrated and overlooked because of that and oftentimes you know I think inappropriately or or wrongly maligned you know because if anybody was going to lose uh on that line you know specifically in pass protection it was going to be him so you know those losses got magnified and I think it skewed how you know effective he really was overall you know just you know relative to the rest of the right tackles in the nfl um it's just on that line you know it was kind of easy to pick on him um so i wrote that article you know in 2015 or whenever i wrote it um just because i always appreciated his game he's one of those players that 
somebody like me who loves offensive line, you know, enjoys watching because he does a lot of little things well. And he he's really good at compensating, you know, for his deficiencies. And I love seeing players like that who maybe are at near the end of their career or just athletically limited. His case was, you know, he had a, a variety of injuries that he had, you know, that had taken a toll on his body. Um, so he had to really figure out ways to get the job done that were unconventional. Um, and it, I think it, he was very savvy um, and smart player. So, you know, it just, it, it just takes a closer look to appreciate somebody like that. So that's why I did the article. And yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was good enough to keep that line, you know, to, you know, to the point where they were the most dominant line of the decade. Um, and, you know, all things considered, I think he was probably an average starter. And uh, going into this game, the Cowboys and Packers, both with only one loss going into week six, Cowboys lose Roma right before the season, have a fourth round rookie, Dak Prescott, starting the team off four and one. They were only 25 to one for Super Bowl odds heading in. Packers at an NFC best eight to one and they go into Lambeau and start making that statement early and as they're building out their lead there's some plays that you actually highlight Travis Frederick gets across and clears Clay Matthews out of the hole they run some outside zone there I believe how crucial was Travis Frederick to making this whole thing sing yeah, I mean, Frederick, for me, you know, I think he was the best center in the league from almost the moment he stepped into the NFL, but more so probably beginning in like 2014, 15, definitely 15. And I think 15, 16 and 17, he was the best center in the league. Uh, I think with him, you know, to me, the thing that stood out the most uh, was his play strength. Um, you just don't see a lot of centers that are able to generate the amount of movement that he was able to do at the point of attack. He was extraordinarily strong uh, and powerful as well. And then that's on top of being very smart, very tough, you know, just a, you know, well-rounded player in terms of pass protection and run blocking could do it all. Um, And I just, I, I took a, a strong liking to him because also he was the worst athlete in the NFL at the center position, uh, according mm-hmm. to the combine, um, which, you know, I generally just think is very overrated uh, for offensive linemen, uh, at least, you know, the athletic uh, time drills and stuff like that. So it was cool for me to see and to kind of, you know, bring light to that, you know, fact, the fact that this guy is, you know, quote unquote, the worst athlete in the game, uh, according to the combine, yet you see him in space, picking off linebackers in space, picking off defensive backs, even at times. Um, and he was just, uh, his play speed was elite. Um, and he's a great example of what mental processing can do for how fast a guy plays the game. Um, so he had it all and he was just, he was dominant for several years there. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was just, he was the best guy in the league. Yeah. I remember you scoffing slowest 40 time among centers, uh, sharing that clip of, of him getting outside to take Clay Matthews out on a Zeke 30 plus yard run in the first half. Cowboys get out early, some backfield motion, throw them off, especially on an early touchdown to 
Cole Beasley on the out. Cowboys end up getting up 10-6. Travis Frederick, as you're saying, had the best center in the game around that time. And I, I know you're also writing mid-2016 and during that season how Zach Martin at right guard, the best right guard in the league. And then you have Ronald Leary at left guard in your threat eclipse there. You talk about how Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick on the pin and then the two guards on the pole. Um, how crucial was it to have zero wing links, not at right tackle with Doug Free, and then not at left guard either when Leary and Zeg Martin on the move? Yeah, I mean, the unit can, can have five guys who are, you know, average or better than, you know, you can have a functioning offense. But what made the Cowboys so special was not only did they have that, but then they had three elite guys and then a guy in Leary who had some very good elements to his game, really as a run blocker. And uh, just what they were able to do in the running game with him uh, and the other three was just really, really special. So, um, yeah, it was just it was just so unusual for an offensive line to to have uh, as many strengths as they did. And, you know, their entire offense was built around it. And, you know, it's kind of cool that the Cowboys have had a couple iterations of, you know, all time dominant, all time great, you know, offensive lines. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like in their DNA almost. And how far does their current iteration have to go to have their weaker links be as strong as what they had in Leary and Free? You got Connor Williams at left guard. Lyle Collins has come along. He's probably one of the stars there now. But then, yeah, new center and looks like Joe Looney. And then Connor McGovern might be factoring in there as well. These supporting players, along with the big three, um, how far do they have to go to kind of reach the you know solid above average level that Free and Leary brought? I mean, I think Connor Williams is the closest. Uh, I think he's made some strides. Um, so he, I think he's on his way to to you know being more of a uh, positive than a negative overall to the unit. Um, you know, just some things to clean up in pass protection. You know, that transferring inside like he did from Texas, you know, to the pro game, it's been an adjustment. He's also dealt with injury as well. Uh, but I think he brings a lot to the running game. Um, you know, just he's athletic. He can move. He can get out in space and do things there. And then he's also pretty good at the point of attack, you know, really physical player. Um, but in pass protection, you know, using his hands and, you um, you know, just the timing and placement of those uh, against, you know, high level competition still needs a little bit of work. Uh, but um, all things considered, I consider him a solid starter uh, with the ability to, to, to rise, you know, to get to that above average level. And I think it needs to happen in pass protection. Um, and then Looney, you know, I, you know, he's, you know, clearly never going to be Frederick. Um and, you know, he's he's kind of a stopgap guy. You know, they have multiple guys there that could take his spot this year, uh, rookie from Wisconsin, and then also possibly McGovern. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, we haven't really seen those guys play yet, so kind of hard to say how far they have to go. This unit in this game, in Lambeau, Packers five-point favorites. Packers defensive line does give Deck a little trouble early on in the game. Peppers gets a strip sack that helps Green Bay keep pace in the first half. And no slouch for a front seven there either. A probably super underrated unit with a veteran presence of Peppers. Clay Matthews a little past it by that point. But then you have rookie season, Kenny Clark, peak Mike Daniels, and, and uh, Nick Perry. 
I mean, you were on how great this, I mean, you were writing all about how great this Cowboys offensive line was even leading up to 2016. But in the second half, when you have high volume expectation and a lower yards per carry expectation, they still fed Zeke. He still got over five yards per carry in the game. Um, Were you surprised at all at how much that Cowboys line was able to just get it done on the road against a super underrated Packers front? No, not at all. Con, you know, just considering I um, think of them as the best offensive line of the decade and, you know, they were at the peak of their powers that season. So, you know, not a surprise at all. Um, you know, but that Packers front was, you know, outstanding. So, you know, you, you win some and you lose some against uh, some elite competition like that. The unstoppable force gets Dallas out to a big lead, 20-6. to six. The Packers' front seven, really good. The back seven, a little more on the rough side. Pro Football Focus had that Packers, uh, by the end of the season, uh, they gave them the uh, top seven run defense and pass rush grades, but the 31st ranked coverage unit in their grading. Darius Gunter in this game, right before the half, gets burned by Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler in succession. Pushes a 13-6 Dallas lead to 20-6 before the half. Dak Prescott had broken Tom Brady's record for most passes to start a career without an interception. Eventually, his streak is broken by Morgan Burnett. Bad pick in front of his own end zone. Prescott, at, at the end of this game, the, the, the Cowboys end up holding on to win. Tom Brenneman, who is in for uh, Joe Buck was doing MLB postseason at, at that time, he says, uh, and let the debate begin. The next time the Cowboys take the field, is it Prescott? Is it Romo? At quarterback. Were you 50-50? Were you more uh, toward the side of uh, interested in seeing Romo come back at that point? Or were you uh, more bullish on having Dak see it out by midseason? Didn't really have a really strong opinion either way. I mean, kind of lean Romo just because, you know, the the win now factor and just having a guy like that come back, you know, maybe they would have been a, in a better position to win now, even though Dak was probably the future. Uh, but yeah, so probably lean Romo if I had to pick. It, it, the Cowboys inside zone in this game was cooking. Um, I know you've described it as the best inside zone you, you've seen. This unit could do it all schematically, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they and they did it all. You know, they ran outside zone, inside zone. Um, that was kind of, you know, their, their bread and butter. Um, so, yeah, but they could do they could do it all. I mean, they could run power. Um, you know, pin pull was one of my favorite things to see. You yeah. know, some of them getting in space, especially Zach Martin. But, yeah, so they were very, very diverse. And, you know, they came up under Bill Callahan. And and then, um, you know, so they were exposed to great coaching as well. So, yeah, I mean, they've, you know, they're, they're probably like the most capable offensive line in terms of like schematic diversity that, you know, you can imagine. Yeah, that coaching tree in Dallas for offensive line in the past decade, you go from Callahan, who coaches up Frank Pollock, who coaches up Mark Colombo, Callahan now in Cleveland, Pollock with the Jets, Colombo with the Giants. Is this the best OL coaching tree in recent memory that you can think of? Yes, probably. Um, I can't really think of a offensive line coaching tree that I'd <laughs> compare with it. Yeah. 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 Um, 
McCarthy on the Packers sideline for this one. He'll be on the Cowboys sideline uh, this coming season, God willing. Do you anticipate any changes, schematic tendency, or or focus under a new coaching staff, or do you think it, it would be more closer to status quo? You know, anytime a new coach comes in and you have some turnover like they've had at center, you know, they're going to try to adjust some things. But, you know, I would think that with guys like Collins and Martin and Smith still there, that you want to play to their strengths and what they're most comfortable with. So probably a little of both, honestly. And, you know, I mean, I don't really think it matters a whole lot what you run with them. As long as, you know, you have some balance, then, you know, I think they'll be able to kind of execute, you know, whatever it is that they decide to run. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and on the other side, McCarthy's coaching that Packers offensive line. Bakhtiari said some stretches of the best you know, pass blocking out at left tackle at certain points in recent years. And then you just had a steady group across the board. Treader, Setter, and then across you know, TJ Lang, Ryan Blaga at right tackle. Do you feel like Aaron Rodgers... His type of maneuvering in the pocket undersells or oversells how good this offensive line was. Definitely, you know, it undersells it uh, just because, you know, with, when you have a quarterback that holds the ball as long as Rodgers tends to hold it, uh, puts a lot of additional stress on the offensive line. Now, granted, he can make, you know, magic happen as well, but, um, you know, there's a balance there and there's a side of it where the offensive line, particularly the tackles, uh, just have more pressure on them than maybe any other group in the league. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a synergistic relationship there that, you know, partly why the, the tackles have been so good is because Rodgers can bail them out sometimes, and partly why Rodgers is so good is because the tackles bail him out. That's just kind of how it's always been, and that's why I think it's, you know, it, he's going to have to adjust his style of play this year, you know, because they got significantly weaker at, you know, a right tackle. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
in your 2020 OL rankings. The mid-August, you have the Saints as the number one, the sole unit in the elite tier. Um, would either of these offensive lines here and on this day in October 2016 fall into that elite category if ranked against the lines this year? I mean, definitely the Cowboys, but maybe the Packers too? Yeah, uh, and the Raiders as well from 2016. Right. Probably be the teams I think of first. Jackson and Assembly at guard. Assembly also on that Ravens Super Bowl line that could push people around. Yeah, next to Burke and then Marshall Yonda. Dip in play in recent years, but he's back at his peak level of play. How would his style fit in with the Kansas City Chiefs? Is, is he a type of player that could potentially make that unit push further up in your offensive line tiers? You know, maybe. I have, you know, I, I didn't. Uh, make any changes to their ranking when KO got there. So, you know, because I need to see it from him. You know, I right. mean, the last couple of years he's been a shell of himself. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think the ceiling is higher now as opposed to having Wiley there. Um, but, you know, at left guard at least. So I think Wiley will play uh, on the right now. Um, so there's potential now. There's more, there's more potential for them to rise. But, uh, you know, it's just we're, we're, we have to see what version of assembly we're going to get because he hasn't really been, you know, that 15, 16, 17 level since 17. So, you know, it's just kind of a wait and see approach. But because the coaching's so great and that's the most offensive line friendly scheme in the league, uh, aside from maybe the 49ers, that, you know, that's why I still have them where I do. You know, I think they're going to be solid just like they were last year, or just like they were the year before. San Francisco, especially outside zone. Would you take that the, the current Niners outside zone against even the not as good as their inside zone, but still great outside zone of this Cowboys 2016? Is this the most beautiful outside zone attack you've seen starting offensive line there in San Francisco? You know, really, it's because of uh, Kittle and you know the fullback. Um, you know, those two guys, man. I mean, what they're able to do, what they add to the to the scheme. Um, how they're able to attack defenses, you know, those guys are so dynamic that it just makes, you know, the whole system that much more potent and fun to watch. So, you know, because those weapons there, fullback and tight end, are so unique, I think that they probably are the best outside zone running team that I've seen. Um, and one of the best is run blocking teams because they do more than just outside zone. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably just like the most fun offense to watch just in general because of how well it's designed. As far as just blowing people off the line and then mixing in some trap and power and misdirection, I'm going to reach back a little further, but how do you feel about that Harbaugh Niners offensive line and, and offensive attack in the early part of the last decade? And, and which flavor do you prefer more, that kind of zone-heavy approach of, of Shanahan or what Harbaugh and Greg Roman were throwing at people uh, years earlier? I tend to lean towards outside zone if they're both being executed at their highest level, just because I was kind of brought up as a diehard Broncos fan. So, you know, the outside zone scheme is just kind of like ingrained in in me as being my favorite um, when it's operating at a high level. So, but I mean, you know, it's kind of a push really, you know, at this point in just my career and everything, uh, just having an appreciation for all schemes that are executed at a high level and 
you know, what the 49ers were doing under Jim Harbaugh, all that mixed misdirection. Um, it was incredible to watch, you know, just a heavy gap scheme. Um, so, and they had great personnel to do it with as well. Uh, so that was one of the more fun offensive lines, you know, that I've ever seen. Um, and, and just, again, offenses in general, just with the stuff that they were doing kind of ahead of their time in some ways. I was seeing if, if, if you had like a clear idea what your favorite tackle guard or guard center combo is at this moment. Tackle guard. I think the best, at least left side tackle guard combo is the Colts uh, with mm-hmm. Costanzo and Quinn Nelson. Um, second is probably Bakhtiari and Jenkins, honestly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, those are, those left sides, you know, that left side tackle guard combination, those two are just a ton of fun to watch for different reasons. I mean, Bakhtiari, what he does in pass protection, Jenkins is just like, you know, uh, was just an outstanding rookie um, who, you know, is a big, powerful guy um, who is, is pretty fun to watch. And, you know, obviously in Indy with Quentin Nelson being what he is. And then Costanzo has long been one of the more underrated tackles in the league for the last four or five years uh so they're they're really fun to watch that that, i mean that's probably my favorite tackle guard combo on the left side i mean on the right side there's some turnover over there now with you know yonda retiring uh you know frederick gone now that would have been my favorite guard center combo um i mean i love pouncey and DeCastro in pittsburgh uh guard center combo i really like what they do um and then like a right tackle right guard combo um i mean you know brandon brooks and lane johnson is easily the best but brooks is hurt so can't really count them now uh so you know it's probably leo collins and zach martin honestly i mean i think leo collins is probably the best run blocking right tackle in football and zach martin's to me He's been the best overall offensive lineman in the NFL for five years now. Um, just my opinion, you know, he's just he's just like a machine. So those two are a ton of fun to watch as well. And later this season, the Packers and Cowboys have a rematch this time in Dallas. Dramatically, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers pull it out, but then they go visit Atlanta and an offense run by. Kyle Shanahan slices and dices them. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan do this with so many different colors of jersey at this point. Was his work creating space with his offensive line the most awe-inspiring you saw from any individual coach this past decade? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, his incorporation of motion, pre-snap motion, I think has really kind of been a big part of what's taken the, the wide zone scheme to the next level, uh, you know, and then he also is diverse, you know, in terms of what he runs as well. I mean, they'll, they'll run trap, you know, they'll run power, you know, they'll run other things. So they really keep defenses on their toes. They create a lot of hesitancy and deception. Um, so, and then, you know, as we talked about earlier, they're tight end and fullback or dynamic. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's tough to, to think of one that, you know, does it at a higher level, than, than Shanahan. I mean, maybe, 
I don't know. I, that that'd probably be my first pick, honestly. I just think that that offense and how much it helps the offensive line with the things that they do pre-snap and just you know creating a lot of uncertainty in defenses just really helps them. And man, I mean, he, he's just uh, he knows how to attack, find weaknesses in defenses and attack them in in a multitude of ways. Combos that are in some of the offensive lines that are in the upper reaches of your rankings. Oh, over at Establish the Run. Um, some great yeah, analysis. I encourage everyone again to check out his take on every offensive line over there. Which of these units that are near the top, not at the, the peak of their play yet, or maybe one piece away, but do you is there a unit you envision getting anywhere close to the quality of the 2016 Dallas Cowboys in the next two or three years? Not really. I mean, maybe the Saints, you know, because I, I feel like they're the best offensive line in the league heading into the season. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there now with the new center guard, you know, new center guard starters, uh, Eric McCoy. Right from what I heard, is going to move over to the right side. And, you know, Cesar Ruiz is going to take over at center. So a little bit of uncertainty there. Uh, but they certainly have potential to, to get close to that level. But, you know, I, I don't I mean, they have the best tackle combination in the NFL, I think, easily. Um, you know, maybe the best left tackle and maybe the best right tackle in the NFL at the same time, which is kind of reminiscent of the Cowboys, you know, in terms yeah. of having two guys that are the best at the position. But then, you know, left guard, Andrews Pete, he's like a top 10 left guard to me. And then Mitt McCoy, man, I mean, I think he could be special. So, but we'll see about that switch now, you know, how he looks at right guard. I thought he was, you know, easily a top 10, maybe even a top five center last year. So, mm. but We'll, we'll see uh, how that goes. There, there's just a little bit of uncertainty there, so it's hard to say. But I think if one unit can get close to, to that 16 Cowboys uh, group would, would be the Saints. Especially if Cesar Ruiz can hit the ground running from day one. Anything like Travis Frederick. Anything you'd like to promote? I mean, you, you said they established the run, so... Yep. Definitely, that's where I do all my writing and just like really I get to expand on my thoughts there, so... That's that's a lot of fun, and I'm really thankful for that platform. Um, and you know, my trench warfare podcast that I host, that uh, I have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I've had some great guests on there. Just probably at this point, 20 or 30 starting NFL offensive linemen have come on. Um, I'm starting to get some defensive linemen on now as well. I've had a lot of coaches on there. You know, I think probably like three or four of the best college offensive line coaches in, in, in football um, have been on. So yeah, if people want to hear them, you know, and their insight, then I recommend checking that podcast out. You can subscribe to that, you know, pretty much anywhere. Uh, yeah, the trench warfare podcast is fantastic. I, I don't remember how early and on it was, but I, I loved that Ryan Jensen interview. And I just remember thinking, man, Brand Thorne's going to be getting some great guests and some great interviews out of these underrated offensive linemen. Yeah, I appreciate it. That was one of my favorite episodes as well. Jensen's a guy I've been able to to meet a couple times at the Offensive Line Masterminds event. And, you know, he's from Colorado and I lived there for a while. I was born there. So we've kind of had that connection. And yeah, so it's it's been cool to talk to him and pick his brain because I've really, I mean, I've loved his game before I met him uh, when he was with the Ravens. He was just one of those guys who was 
you know, every snap was like a, a bar fight, you know, and those type of guys are just so fun to watch on tape. And he's just a scrapper, man. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a seventh round pick. Yeah. Um, who's, you know, but he became the highest paid center in NFL history when he signed his deal. So guys like that are pretty special. And um, it's been really a pleasure to just get to know him and talk to him and, and do some, do some work with him and stuff. It's, it's been awesome. This has been another episode of remember that game, please rate review, subscribe, and check out more episodes.